What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Graveyard. I'm The Graveyard Gamer. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Graveyard Game. Now, in today's episode, I want to talk about those games that kind of surprised us. You know, you went in thinking one game, and then they surprised you. Good, bad surprise. I want to talk about a few of those. Then, I want to go to the controversy corner, and I want to talk about all this kind of funniness for God of War Ragnarok. And what I mean by that is people are getting their hands on it. And it's kind of funny because we're starting to hear some minor complaints, like, oh, it's clearly a PS4 game. Or, man, if I have to sit through one more hidden loading screen as you squeeze through a cavern. And it's kind of funny seeing all the developers come back and kind of slap some of these, I call them influencers, on the hand as they're talking kind of out of their butt and they don't really know what they're talking about. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about my graveyard shift and what I've been playing. So with that being said, let's talk about some of those games that we expected one thing and we got another. So gamers, when I talk about some of those unexpected games, I'm talking about those games that you go in expecting one type of gameplay, one type of style, maybe the story or a lack of story or just some kind of whatever it may be. You have a, a certain mindset, then you go to play it and it's completely different. Now the reason that I bring this up is recently Xbox released on Game Pass and of course on the systems, Scorn. Now I don't have an Xbox, I'm not playing it, but it's one of those games that I always kind of looked at as like just too over the top, like too grotesque, just something that just turned me off about that game from the level design, everything about it. However, it came out and people started playing it. The funny thing is, everything I had said, which admittedly had been very little I've looked into this game, was that it was going to be like a first-person shooter. And I kind of had visions of like they were really trying to be pretty hardcore Doom. You know what I mean? Like they wanted to be Doom and it was going to be very grotesque, all that fun stuff. However, apparently that's not the game. The game is very puzzle-based. There's a lot of puzzles. People are getting stumped by the very first puzzle and not proceeding forward. So it made me think, man... How often does that happen? How many times in my gaming history have I started a game only to sit there and be like, well, this is, this is not what I expected. So let's look at some of those games. And the first one I'm going to talk about is the Yakuza franchise. I'm talking about Yakuza Like a Dragon and Yakuza Zero. See, Yakuza Zero is my first intro into this series of gaming. i got to be honest with you now. Yakuza Zero, I went into thinking it was going to be Grand Theft Auto Japan. That's not actually the last time you're going to hear me make that kind of comparison. But anyway, I go into Yakuza Zero... And first off, I'm like, whoa, this is this is different. This is not what I expected. You control different. It's more of a brawler. It's not this open world to run through in. It's just a city. And what I didn't expect is how heavy the story is, how deep it is, how connected to the story I am. Look, at the end of the day, I have enjoyed a lot of Grand Theft Auto stories, and some of them have stuck with me, but they're not as deeply involved as Yakuza. Yakuza is right there with like Metal Gear Solid with that franchise where you're going, oh my word, I am sucked into what they are saying. That's what it is. And Yakuza 0 is all about a back lot, an empty lot, and all the carnage that revolves around that. So it was really wild for me to go through it and then to, into a Sega arcade and to sit there and play all these classic Sega games like Virtual Fighter and little claw machines and all that stuff. The wacky side missions you could do called sub-stories in this game. And just, I, there's just so much I loved about it, going into the individual stores, all of that fun stuff. So for me, Yakuza 0 was like... I didn't expect that. I thought a third-person action game set in a city, but it is so much more. Now, when I say like a dragon, it's because here's the deal. I've very, for a long time, I've kind of changed my tune to this, but for the longest time, I was very against turn-based combat. It just wasn't something I was into. So here's one of my favorite series that I've been falling in love with the last several years. It turns turn-based, and I'm thinking, oh, man. I'm thinking it's going to lose its identity. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I went from an action brawler with different fighting styles, and even in the games preceding that, I, you know, you have multiple protagonists, so now I'm going into this game, and I'm going, how's this game going to be great when it's turn-based? And I really did think it was going to lose a major step, part of its identity, honestly, because 
if you play the Yakuza game, you know it's not just about brawling and fighting. There's also the hot, flashy moves you do where, you know, you'll knock somebody on the ground and pull a teacup up and pour the tea all in their face, you know, and hit them with a baseball bat out of nowhere. All of those kind of things. They're called heat moves, and they're awesome. Well, how are you going to have something like that in turn-based? Ladies and gentlemen, Like a Dragon successfully retains all of that just in a turn-based style. There's everything else about the game that's in. All the fun, wacky sub-stories. All the different places to go into. All very much Yakuza. And then you get into that turn-based system with your team of people. And I gotta tell you, I absolutely loved it. I was blown away by how much it retained that over-the-topness, silly, fun, but also hardcore action. And it just, it's, it's amazing. It's a game that I genuinely sit there going, you know what, I can't write off going back and just grinding and getting the platinum because it was so much fun. Now, moving on on my list, I want to say Shadow of the Colossus, and here's the deal. This is one of those gaming royalty games, right? Like, this is a game that is considered a work of art. It's one of those games that if you've never played, you know, what are you doing type deal. I'd never played it, not until this past year. So many, many years, over a decade after it comes out, I finally play it, and I don't know what to expect, man. I really don't. I think that I had been told that, hey, it's a game where you just fight 16 bosses, and they're a colossi, and you got to figure out how to take them down. And I'm sure that was in my mind, but going into this game, I did not expect to literally only go fight 16 classes. And here's the deal. It's so good. I have to say it's good. <laughs> you're, you're just in this kind of magical, like mythical style world type deal. And it's really cool. You hold up your sword and it'll gleam a light. And you just kind of follow where that gleam is going to fight your next colossi. And to be honest, I really, really did enjoy it. I thought out of the 16, probably 12 were awesome boss fights. And, you know, you kind of sit there and you go, yeah, but is that fun? But it's a style of adventure and exploration to beating the bosses. They're not like Dark Souls. It's like a pattern you have to figure out. So for me, I thought it was really cool. I didn't expect that. Or at the very least, I expected if that was going to be it, I probably wouldn't get that into it. But I found myself really, really enjoying it. So sometimes it's one of those things where, hey, a lack of a story, because there's a story, but it's so paper thin that I think people really have to kind of stretch that out or play through it multiple times or whatever you have to do. But I mean, it's a very loose story. But to sit there and have none of that story to connect you into, there's really an empty world. Like, I mean, this world is empty. What's in this world? 16 Colossi. Go find them. Nothing else to really do. But it's just so interesting trying to get around the world and figure out how to get there. It's almost a maze on how to get from one point to another. So for me, Shadow of the Colossus was definitely not what I expected, but in a, a great way. Here's a recent one, Guardians of the Galaxy. Now look, some people can say what they want to. Before that game came out, I had always said that that was my number one game last year that I wanted to play. I was so excited to play that game. It was actually the first game I played on Christmas this past year when I got it. Because I was like, oh, this is definitely going to be the number one game I'm jumping on. But there was so much hate on the internet. And look, I get it. Marvel's Avengers that came out and people were kind of thinking, oh, it's another team-based game like that. That game's not that great. This is going to suffer from it. Nothing else could be further from the truth. This game is awesome. For one, they nailed the characters. The characters are awesome. They don't ape the Marvel Cinematic Universe's versions, but they fit so well. They keep that connectivity, that comedy, that like tension between them. Rocket and Star-Lord have this back and forth that's so funny. Gamora and Drax, they're kind of constantly at it. But over the course of the game, they become like a little family, man. It's awesome. Walking around the Milano is just like really interesting, really fun. And then the combat to me was great. Now, I will say I was a little bit curious. Like, how do you have a Guardians of the Galaxy, but you only play a Star-Lord? Like, isn't that going to be kind of, I don't know, a little letdown to see Rocket not play as them? Well, they do a great job of incorporating so many 
team moves and different ways you can pull things off and eventually you can huddle up together and have like a big bonus as you fight like there's a lot there to have fun with and i think if you played the game you would be unexpected in just one how deep that story is because that is not something i expected to sit there and be that wrapped up in the story going oh my word i didn't expect that i didn't have expect to have this huge deep connection between star lord and his mom but it sure is there i didn't expect to sit there and get wrapped up into the drama of the team kind of breaking up and getting back together and kind of that foreman storming norman and performing situation that you have in team building like i kind of didn't expect that but they did it like it just blows you away and ultimately yes it was the game that i was most looking forward to last year it is still a game that's going to be tough to beat when i do my top 10 games of this year but the interesting thing is i still went into that game expecting just just an action game you know i the best way i can put it is i expected something like the x-men legend games of the past where you have a team you know, other than the fact you couldn't swap between them, and you just kind of go through the levels, taking the people out, moving on. I didn't expect such deep combat. I didn't expect such a meaningful story. You know, I mean, you even have an idea that uh, Star-Lord might be a dad, and that is super deep, and that just builds on those bonds, and it's so good, and I just sit there and I go, man, please, please, please give us a sequel. It was unexpectedly good because it was even better than I was hyped for it. But here's one that I, I can honestly say I didn't really know i expected one thing and i got another one and that is sniper elite 4 i can't speak to any other game in the series it's the only one i've played so far but i was actually blown away by that game honestly i went into the game expecting it just to be sniping that's really what i thought and i'd kind of been very curious about it but i was kind of like that's ah, probably not gonna work and i'll probably get bored with it so i held off and finally picked it up for real cheap and when i started playing it about a year ago i'm gonna tell you guys i was instantly thrown like completely off for one yeah you do sniping but you can also set traps you can set bombs you can also do melee you can use assault rifles you can use many different types of tools many different types of weapons and there's the ammo do you want quiet weapons do you want loud and then there's the fact that you have to kind of cover your shots right with a plane flying overhead or an engine going off or turning a generator on so nobody will hear hear what is happening those kind of things to me was so interesting and then the level design way different I thought I almost kind of I don't want to say a linear experience because it's not like I thought it was just going to be like following a track but I thought it was like a pathway you had to go maybe or, or something I didn't expect these maps that are really good in size to be so open and you figure out how you want to do it just filled with objectives side objectives little collectibles to find all these things that I just was sitting there going man I didn't expect this but I was wrapped up and in love with the game to me it combined the best parts of Metal Gear Solid and Hitman together. Metal Gear Solid 5, Phantom Pain specifically, maybe Ground Zeroes. I mean, they were very similar, right? Probably Ground Zeroes is the best way to go with that because Ground Zeroes was only one level. So just imagine that idea. You load up a level, it's only that area. It's not like you're going to leave that area in like this giant open world. It's an open map is the best way to put it. And to sit there and to be able to attack in any way, awesome combat, awesome firing. And then when I say Hitman influence, I mean because... There are so many different things you can set up. I mean, they're not called opportunities, but you can set things up for people to go where you want them to go, to lead them into their own death. And I just thought that was fantastic. I didn't expect that. I got way more out of Sniper Elite than I expected. I'm still excited to play Sniper Elite 5 when that opportunity presents itself. But what about a disappointment? Let's throw one of those in. And ladies and gentlemen, that is Marvel's Avengers. Look, I got to be honest, I'm not piling on the game because I will tell you now, I played through it on a rental, I went back, I bought the game, I've played through the DLC on PS5, and I've enjoyed it. I've had a fun time because I think the single player stuff is really 
good. The story is awesome. I thought the graphics always look good. I thought the DLC has been really well done. But, but, it's kind of what I feared, but I didn't expect it like this. And that is actually how much of an influence the online portion has. Because what I expected is a very tight single-player experience. That multiplayer was an option. Sure, they were going to want you to go that way. But I thought, for the most part, you'd be able to enjoy the single-player by itself. Ultimately, I found the single-player stuff, the story to be good, but the actual gameplay mechanics to not be as well done. The story is great. Playing through some of the main missions, some are okay, and some just feel like they're just teaching you how to play multiplayer. Go defend this area. Why? Because that's the stuff you're going to do in multiplayer. And then when you get past the actual story, and you're still doing single-player stuff, but it's the kind of the open-world type stuff, the extra missions, like, some of those, to me, were just kind of, like, dull. Like, I was trying to go through and do all of, like, the hero missions. Like, you do Captain America's missions and Black Widow's missions. To me, they were just, like, kind of, meh. Like, no, my good friend Hulking Yoda, Lost at Sea Gaming, right here on Anchor. You can check his podcast out. He absolutely loved the game. And I don't blame him on a lot of ways. Like I said, I loved the story. For the most part, I enjoyed a lot of the single-player story missions. And, yes, the combat is not bad, but there's just button combos they use that I didn't particularly like. Uh, but in placement, I should say, I also didn't love the way that some of the single-player stuff was affected by multiplayer. Like, it was, again, gearing you up to play multiplayer, and that I had a problem with. But when you sit there and you take in the idea of there being so many heroes to try out, they're all free, I think that's really cool. When you take in the fact that I thought the Kate Bishop and Hawkeye DLC, which again is free, and I thought was fantastic. I thought it was some of the best level designs they had done because it felt like they weren't trying to make it so that, hey, later on you can play this level as, you know, multiplayer. Like, this is you enjoying it. I thought the War for Wakanda was actually really well done and just awesome. I mean, that's a DLC right there I think you could actually have charged 20 bucks for and people would have been okay with. Ultimately, there's a lot that I think Marvel's Avengers needs to get praised for because I think it is better than people have given it credit for. I think people like to pile onto the stuff that they don't necessarily like. But for me, I have to say it's very mellow and that is what is unexpected for me. Again, it comes to that idea of like, you know what, I like a lot about this game, but God, I would have loved it if it would have just been single player. And that's not what I expected. Again, I expected to walk out of it going, okay, man, single player stuff's cool, it's fun, I loved it, I didn't have to worry about the multiplayer. And unfortunately, that just wasn't it because the multiplayer creeped in and affected some of that single player. Let's go back to the positives and let me talk about a game I didn't expect. And this is probably one of my biggest examples of unexpected, and that is Days Gone. See, going into Days Gone, I'll be with you, I was pretty hyped for it. Then the day it comes out, I actually held it in my hand for a minute going, do I really want to buy this? I don't know. And I bought it and I loved it. Here's what I didn't expect. I didn't expect a story to be that good in this kind of game. I didn't expect to absolutely love this game the way I did. But I did. I can't tell you how much I love that story. Guys, if you've never played Dinkin' St. John's story, you are missing out. I think it's on PlayStation Plus. If you got it, you got to play it. If you have, don't have PlayStation Plus and you're like, ah, I want to buy a game, this is the game you buy. This game is so good. I mean, yes, the combat is great. The zombie stuff, all of that is great, right? All of that is where I expected it to be. I didn't expect the story to be so good. I didn't get, expect it to get so wrapped up in the characters that I did that I sit there and I go, why don't we have a Days Gone 2 announced? And when I read the kind of the idea that they had for making a Days Gone 2, I scratch my head like, how is that right, man? Why don't we get a f official, true, what I expect sequel from Days Gone? Because the story is right. The characters are great. I want to explore them again. And ultimately, I didn't expect that. I really didn't. 
Days Gone, in my mind, before I played it, would have been one of those games. It was just a fun action game, riding around on a motorcycle, zombies, blah, blah, blah. Generic story. No, the story was the best thing about that game. And a lot of that game I absolutely love. But the story was so good. And the last one I'm going to talk about is an oldie but a goodie. And anybody who has ever played it would probably agree with me on this. Sleeping Dogs. I expected Sleeping Dogs to be what the other true crime games were. Grand Theft Auto clones. So going into Sleeping Dogs, I'm like, okay. Not really expecting much. Should just be some kind of fun and I was blown away. Well, number one, it was probably one of the best games that tried to tackle that, you know, point break style of a cop that's gone deep undercover. Oh my word, it was so good. I love the fact that you were kind of riding the line between cop and triad member. I love the fact that they did it so well that you actually kind of had a choice of how you handle things. As I thought that was great. Then on top of that, the combos and the fighting in this game was just fantastic. I thought it was well done. I thought you know, I mean, dude, at one point I killed a guy with a fish. I killed a guy with a fish. I threw another guy in electric eels. That is a game that I want to go back to and I want to get a platinum in because I loved it that much, man. I want to get back in that world because we're never going to see one. Honestly, if you haven't played that game because you've kind of wrote it off as a Grand Theft Auto clone or just like, ah, you know, it had a trouble history. I'm not into it. I'm telling you, Sleeping Dogs is so great. Graphics, gameplay, story, all of that is just so well done that I think it's definitely one of those things. You owe it to play. All right, gamers, let's talk about that controversy corner. Let's talk about God of War Ragnarok. Look, I don't know about you guys, but we are less than two weeks away, and I am so stoked for that game. I love God of War franchise. You can check out my franchise episode right here on Anchor. But here's the deal. People have started getting their hands on it, and we've started seeing things. Now, this is what I'm going to say. Look, we have influencers, and look, influencers typically have a certain bias, right? You want to promote the brand that you really like because a you you want to get like likes you want to get people loving it you want to play the thing but some people who are more biased to xbox when they get a playstation release that they're going to play they're going to find some way to put a little smudge on it right you don't want it to look too good just like i would expect that playstation people that have a bias are going to read something or see something from xbox and put their little smudge on it you know what i mean like you're gonna do that but what i find funny is when people talk without knowing the facts Try to sound super smart. That's my whole issue in these controversy corners most of the time is the people that try to act smarter than they are, to act like they know more than they are. Look, I've told you guys before, I'm a normal gamer. I game, I play, I talk about those games. I'm not paid, I'm not backed, I'm not anything. I'm not trying to sound smarter than I am. I'm only calling it as I see him. So when I notice some influencer playing online and the guy makes a comment and this is a guy that prefers Xbox, but he's playing this game, which makes me wonder, why did he even get the Ragnarok game? Which was a whole other controversy because people were saying, yeah, Sony refused to give us a copy because they didn't like our tone. Well, why would Sony give you a copy of a game that they're hoping is like a massive success to somebody that's honestly, they feel like might trash it just so that they can trash it to give Xbox a little bit more credit? It doesn't make sense. But they give this guy a code, and I don't think this guy, and I'm not going to say names, I don't think he's too far out of left field. I don't think he's too ridiculous. However, his his tweet, right? He put it on Twitter. His tweet goes to the effect of, mm, I'm clearly aware that I'm playing a PS4 game. Okay, right there, let's throw a flag on the play because that's wrong. I have seen the trailers. I have seen the behind the scenes stuff. I have seen all these things. You are not going to tell me if you're playing on a PlayStation 5, you only see a PS4 game. I am not going to sit there and say that because of the way this generation has started off, unfortunately, due to the pandemic and due to different things that, yeah, we have seen more cross-generational games than we would have. We probably wouldn't have seen a PS4 version of Horizon Forbidden West. We probably wouldn't have seen a PS4 version. 
of God of War Ragnarok. However, we've got them. But do I think that it really held back on the graphics on the PS5? Probably not. The difference with PlayStation and Xbox is PlayStation is not saying, hey, if you make a game for the PS5 and you make a PS4 version, you know, they have to be the same. They're not doing that, right? You got PS5, you got PS4. I don't think it's in that category. But what I do think is influencers jumping on that to sit there and make it seem like this game is going to be ugly. Let's be real. Horizon Forbidden West, beautiful. Some of those sceneries, some of those things you saw, especially when you got to the actual West and the colors, you're not going to see on a PS4. I'm sorry, I'm sure the PS4 looks nice, but it doesn't look that level. I don't expect you to really see some of these things on PS5 with God of War Ragnarok that you could see on a PS4. So yes, maybe if there was no PS4 in development, I don't know a whole lot of game development, maybe we would have seen a little bit better visuals, but I, I don't I don't think so, right? But the funny thing is, another Xbox influence. Now, when I say Xbox influence on this one, she had, did not have a actual review code she's just looking at screenshots right she's taking screenshots off the internet which come on that in itself is a foul that's not accurate she's taking a screenshot and she's comparing god of war ragnarok with rise the xbox one you know release game as in like it came out the day xbox one came out guys think about that do you honestly think ragnarok is going to look worse than rise does I'm not saying Rise is a bad looking game, quite the contrary. I remember my good friend Hogan Yoda talking about how great it looked when it came out. But what I'm saying is we are almost a decade away and you're going to tell me that she genuinely is going to say that this is the case. Let's be real, the screenshot she had from God of War is kind of blurry and ultimately it's just, it's a fallacy. It is not right and it's also two different types of gameplays going on. One's a, a world that's kind of combined where you God of War, you got this huge areas you're going to be going into right so there's all of a sudden that but at the end of the day this isn't to apologize for god of war this is just to point out some of these inaccuracies because you have those things i'm clearly aware i'm playing a god of a ps4 game sure you are man sure you are or hey look this xbox one game and it's not a knock on xbox it's not a knock on rise but it's a knock on this person for trying to compare these two games which she doesn't even have a an authentic screenshot that she took so she can say this is what it looks like she's got one off the internet right but the other thing that cracked me up is somebody sat there and said, man, they've got so many loading screens hidden behind these squeezing through a wall crack, man. This is what they do. And they went on about how all this loading. And then you got people piling on like, oh, I guess that SSD drive's not that great if that's what it is. And people were just tearing it apart, tearing apart the PlayStation, tearing apart God of War. And then finally, we had developers go, guys, that's not what that is. There's multiple reasons why you have those kind of squeeze through ways. One person brought up, a developer brought up the fact that, uh, you know, hey, that might be a way to section off a different area of the game because they want you to go back a different way or they don't want you to go back right then. Or they're like, a lot of times when you have a companion and you want to make sure you've killed everybody, when you squeeze through the crack like that, it's going to make the game either A, if you can't do it, it's because there's people and they want to make sure before you move forward, you kill everybody. Or B, your companion is with you. It allows the game to catch up. Ultimately, they're like, stop calling it that. Multiple developers have come out and said, stop, this is not what this is. Basically putting egg all over this guy's face, who is now claiming, you know, well, I might have been wrong, but I think it's still, you know, something that you guys are hiding with. It's just ridiculous. And here's what I'm doing. Here's what I've been doing with these controversy corners. Every week I have had a graveyard gaming, I have had a controversy corner in there. Every week I am just trying to expose, not by names, not by anything, but by the ridiculousness 
of influencers online because what I don't want is to be affected by these people. Look, if you're putting all your stock in what somebody else is saying online, you're going to miss out on some great games because they're they're trying to get you to go with their influence too, right? There are some influencers who are backed in some way by Xbox, who gets that kind of love. So therefore, they want you to hate on PlayStation a little bit and kind of lean towards Xbox. It's kind of their bread and butter, right? There are some that's the opposite way that's going to trash everything Xbox does. It's going to make you think Game Pass is the absolute worst thing in the world. It's going to make you think Xbox is circling the drain, that they're vultures and all that fun stuff. Why? Because they want you to hate them a little bit and stay with the PlayStation. Because if you're staying on PlayStation, they're a PlayStation guy, there's a chance you're going to follow them. Ladies and gentlemen, it gets ridiculous. This God of War one, man, it has just cracked me up because it's like, wow, you guys are really reaching low at this point. So, look, guys, November 9th, God of War drops. Here's what I'm telling you. Don't listen to these early previews. They're hating on the game for things that developers are coming out and saying, yeah, that's not true. I don't know what you're talking about. Or things you can clearly tell is just ridiculous. So... November 9th, if you're interested, not if you're not interested, but if you're interested in God of War, I highly recommend you check it out. Give it a try. The God of War series has been fantastic. God of War 2018 was absolutely magnificent. I expect nothing less from this. I just want you to make your own mind up because these influencers have just gotten to be more and more ridiculous. And I do a controversy corner just to talk about the controversies, but they all come from these guys on Twitter and Instagram and all that. And my word... Is it not just getting stupid? So gamers, let's talk about the Graveyard Shift. And you know what? This week is actually not that super packed. See, let's start off with Super Mario Odyssey. And I got to tell you, as I've told you the last couple weeks, I've just loved that game. Collecting moons, do whatever I can. Ultimately, over the past week, I haven't had that much time with it. So I actually went to the Lake Kingdom. It's kind of cool because I love Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. You know, the Scottish lore and all that fun stuff. Is it really a dinosaur in the Loch Ness? Whatever. I love that. When you get to the lake zone, you get to an area, and there's like a Nessie in there, right? It's a big blue one. You know, it's very Nintendo-esque graphic style and whatnot, but it's really cool. This entire area is just nothing but like a lake and all kind of different coins and secrets and these cool things where you can throw your hat and get on a zipper and unzip something. All kind of fun stuff. Really, the only major combat area I had was just uh, the boss battle, which is kind of what it was in the Desert Kingdom, but... I really spent a lot of time in the lake area trying to collect everything. I think I spent overall less time than I did in the previous kingdom. But you know what? Last night was the night that I finished it. And between going to... It was really cool. I thought it was really fun to sit there and to start off on the lake area. Do some exploring. The next thing you know, I sit there and I find this one pipe. And I go into it. I'm back into the previous kingdom. But I'm on this pyramid way high in the air that I hadn't been able to access. So I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like... Here's the moon that I couldn't get them previous kingdom. They were all connected. I thought that was great. I just had a lot of fun with it. I got some cool new, you know, duds. That's the one thing I haven't talked about here is how you can customize Mario. Like, there's just different outfits, different style hats, different size, you know, clothes that he wears. The one that I was wearing for this one was actually swim gear the entire time. I had, like, a floaty on. I was in the bathing suit. My hat wasn't actually a hat. It was, like, a mask and goggles or a mask and snorkels, rather. And I just sat there going, man, this is cool. This is just so fun to play like this. I thought it was a very ingenious level design, the different things they want you to do. So ultimately, I really did enjoy Link Kingdom. I went to, and I'm not going to lie, I was kind of starting to doze a little bit. <laughs> but when the game got to it, I got to something I, I think it was called the Wooded Kingdom. Looks very, uh, well, it looks like the woods, to be honest with you. So I'm excited to see what happens there. 
it I it was looking kind of odd, kind of different, definitely a different in style. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna be very optimistic about it. We'll see what happens. Other than that, I have played a little WWE 2K22, and most of this week has been strictly focused on my GM mode. And I gotta tell you something, I started my GM mode last week, and I definitely have enjoyed it. So my GM mode, GM mode used to be in WWE games way back in like SmackDown versus Raw. Oh six, seven, and 8, I believe. I think they took it out in 09. Oh, 07, to me, is the pinnacle of it. This one reminds me a lot of it and a lot of Fire Pro Promoter in Fire Pro Wrestling World. So either way, I'm jumping in there. I decided I'm going to go with Raw. I decided I'm going to use William Regal as my GM, and I had a lot of fun with it. I've tried to be very stingy with my budget, and I had to loosen that up a little bit. I've ended up picking up The Rock. I've ended up picking up Steve Austin off the Legends free agency on the free agency i'm buying a couple of jobbers they're just like legit like they almost look like developers took pictures but you need people to job out to to keep all your wrestlers wrestling to keep them all happy and just kind of working those feuds now i'm not gonna lie the one thing i will say is my match ratings have not been great and i mean i've actually went in there and wrestled some matches and i'll be honest with you i thought they were good i thought they would hold up an exhibition like you would get you know the stars same kind of difference here but they're just more stricter and it depends on who you're wrestling against who, what style they wrestle, and that's what fans want to see. So I've had a little tough time in the beginning. I've yet to really kind of pull ahead of SmackDown. They got me by about 20,000 fans, but I also happen to know they only have about 100 grand. I personally have about $250,000, so that means I can buy more of the superstars, more of the legends, try to get some things going, but I'm a few weeks away from the first pay-per-view, and I think that's going to be the big tick right there. Back in the day in GM mode, when you get to the pay-per-view, you could really pull in a ton of fans, a ton of money. Uh, so I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep building up my feuds, try to get there so that I can try to maximize and hopefully take the lead. I've only got it set up for, I think it's 15 weeks. I just wanted to get my you know, my feet wet in this game, try to experience it, see what it's like before I commit it to a full-on year or whatnot. Now, the other game I've played is Ghost of Tsushima. Now, here's the deal. The other day, I did actually complete the story for Iki Island, which is awesome. So the last couple of days, I've just been spending time just trying to clear everything up. Just trying to go through and, you know, get all the points of interest, get all the stories done. And I'll tell you, I kind of hit a roadblock this morning. Like, I thought I was done. I thought I finished. I was like, all right, sweet. I got about 30 minutes left before I got to stop and go to work. I'll play some WWE. But I noticed trophies hadn't been popping. Well, in this game, there was actually a few hidden things I'm going to give you a little hint about. For one, when you're going through and you're doing the animal sanctuaries, which you're going to sit there, you're going to play a little flute, whatever animal, maybe a deer, monkey, they're going to come up and talk to you. There's a trophy for monkey C. So I thought that was just for getting all the monkey ones. Nope. What it is is when you go to those shrines and you see them, there's usually another shrine hidden somewhere else, and you have to find that shrine and play your flute for it. So I've got two more of those to do. The other one is actually the side missions there's a couple of them you have to find on your own the two that i had to find on my own which i looked up was one called a helping hand now i had encountered this guy earlier in the game but basically he's building a house and when you first encounter him he just wants a few supplies so you give them to him well he's also in other parts of the world i just didn't never run into him again so his house is on my map i went there multiple times but nothing was ever there Today, I was able to find out where he would be and go do those other things to finish that one. There's also another hidden side mission. And it's basically once you finish the epilogue in the game, you have to go talk to your kind of friend who is kind of leading the rebellion against the eagle. Go talk to her. When you do, 
it'll unlock another side one. But there's nothing to indicate that. Like both of those right there, if you don't know about them, you're not going to really catch that. Same thing with the monkey one. Even the trophy descriptions don't help with that. So I was able to do that. I think tomorrow I have to do two more. They're called uh, like common occurrences. And really what they are is like random things in the world, right? Like today I got into an area and I seen a banner. You go up and you interact with it. And this lady pops up and tells you, hey, if you want to prove your worth, go fight these bandits in the, the forest. I go fight them, done. Problem is I need two more. And I don't know if they're in specific spots. I don't know which ones I've done because if you go in your log, it just says I've got three or five done. So I need that. Once I do that, once I do the monkey thing, I'll be completely done with uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which has just been such a great time. I'm so glad this expansion came out, the Director's Cut, because I wanted to get back in the world. I really wanted to just take a lot of pictures, but the expansion has allowed me to not only take the pictures, but also jump into the world and do, you know, just give me a meaning. Give me a purpose. Give me a good story, man. It was an awesome story. Give me good side stuff to do. So a lot of cool stuff. I do plan on doing a DLC review for that. So be on the lookout for that pretty soon. Well, gamers, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Graveyard Gaming. I'm very curious about what we thought about my unexpected games. I know they weren't like, oh, I didn't expect that game to come out. And some of them, the unexpectedness of them might not have been as crazy. Hey, you really like Guardians of the Galaxy? And guess what? You really liked it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know it's a little bit different. But I'm just talking about those games that just kind of good, bad, changed where you went into them. Like your baseline thought and you just went, wow, that's not what I expected. And then I would love to know your thoughts on the controversy corner. Because ladies and gentlemen, I just, I can't help it. I see these things online. I see it and I go, man... People buy into it. They do. You read the comments and people just just go into it. And it just keeps this Xbox versus PlayStation thing going on and on and on. And then my graveyard shift, I'd love to know your thoughts on that as well. What I've been playing. Do you have any tips for me for my GM mode? Because I am all ears. Now, with that being said, pretty soon, my good friend Hulk and Yoda and I have talked about before. We're going to be sharing the Discord server that we have started, Lost in the Graveyards. Kind of combining Lost at Sea Gaming, his podcast, and Graveyard Gaming, my podcast, and we're going to put it out there where we're going to be sharing tips. We're going to be having discussions. We're going to be talking about new news. We're going to have all that stuff just in a fun way to interact with you guys. So until then, you can always find me at thegraveyardgamergmo.com, thegraveyardgamer on Instagram, or thegraveyardg on Twitter. Till next time, I'll be creeping out of the graveyard.